just a prayer for for the uh, dedication of the cathedral of the basilicas of Saint Paul okay. and Saint Paul and Saint Peter's. Well, I, yeah, that's what I I did look I did read through it. And that's I, common, you know, the ordinary rather. I always check them both, Stephen. Sometimes it's just very much more convenient to use the phone. But the mm -hmm. Frank always says there's something about using the, the actual phone. He, right. He, yeah, I agree. He, I, I agree with that. You should always One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Offering this musical. Can this musical be? We're missing Corneal in there. Daniel. as well um the thing was that um, i had a meeting with my uh, with the parents or all my students for the real religious ed so i had to create a group and i was informing them that um those students that i teach religious ed every saturdays um they might be going on zoom so i was just sh sharing that information so it took me about an hour so um right now i have 10 kids so maybe or more might be added to uh, also to virtual class. So they got me busy in my parish. And again, sorry again for the delay. Not a problem. So Lucas, my question would be, is it because he loves you so much, or is it because he likes seeing himself on the screen? He likes seeing himself on the screen. <laughs> he He's calling attention now. <laughs> but I, I like to believe he loves me a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, he does give me a lot of love, I, I have to admit it. Take it where you can get it. I'm telling you. <laughs> and I I abuse it too. Now we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Uh, I'd like to start with the guidelines for lectors. Okay. Uh, maybe my, I have two preliminary questions that I'd like to hear from you folks on. Uh, for how many of you is this the first time seeing that document? 
You never saw that before, Peter? You never saw that, Paul? Okay. Absolutely. Doug, you did did see it before? Which which of the documents are you referring to? Guidelines for lectors. Some ideas, the unlimited functions. I'm not sure. Because I don't have anything called the guidelines. I must have missed that one. It's the title page? I think uh, I think uh, I took that course. He gave, you know, he gave a yeah, link. There was yeah. a link for that. Yeah, I just was giving the. Uh, sorry, go, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, Danny Castro. Could you repeat what you just said? Yeah. So um, the um, the archdiocese gave, gave some courses online. So I took the Spanish and the and the uh, English. Right. On, on the, uh, Eucharist and the lecture as well, and they, they provided me with a certificate. I'm going to be jumping off from this, okay? But I wanted to see whether or not you had been exposed to it before. In theory, at least, these are guidelines for focusing probably on the the non-installed lectors. Okay, and you guys are supposed to be leading all of the rest of them by your example because you've been installed. Uh, so that's my really my second question would be really almost one at a time. Right? Uh, Doug, are you a lector at your parish? I am. Okay, Peter, you're not a lector at your parish. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. I just thought I've done it twice. Okay. Paul, are you a lector in your parish? Yes, Deacon. Okay. Uh, John Trumbly, are you a lector in your parish? Yes. George, yes. Okay. Lucas, yes. Okay. Stephen? Yes. Okay. Denny, and before you were sidelined? Yes. It's Denny Condon, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Bob? Okay, Danny, of course, yes. Danny Castro? Okay, Danny Cornel, yes? Yes. Okay, and Rafael? I was before, but this weekend, uh, the pastor told me that he he wanted me to to redo it, and we installed me in the the ministry. In the parish, you know, I I was before a reader on the the parish. Right. The parish has a ministry with, uh, I think there are 20 something uh, lectors. Okay. He want me to be part of that ministry, the parish ministry. Right, uh, obviously. Right? Yes. So uh, I, I I was reading the whole weekend in each mass. Oh, in every mass, okay. Yeah. I, I don't even, even the English one. Okay. <laughs> and that was the first time for me in English. Okay, but your English is excellent, Rafael. Oh, I try. <laughs> no, 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 don't, I, don't knock it. I, no, I, no, I'm not, I'm not, but th- there are some words, you know, uh, my pronunciation is still, I needed to practice. And Rafael, your English is way much better than my Spanish. <laughs> okay. okay. Anthony Reno, I, doctor, are you a, a regular reader in your parish? Yes, I am. Okay. Would, uh, you were in the old parish or in the new one as well? Both. I did in St. Joseph's. I did uh, Spanish, Italian, and English. Okay, good. I, the, the point that I'm 
thinking here really is that for many of the people in our parishes, the idea of, I think it's almost an American thing, that our education doesn't really emphasize the ability to get up and talk on your two feet okay, uh, in a wide kind of way so that many people are a little bit frightened of it. Okay, And it's one of, I guess my first comment really that I want to make is, it's almost like a Nike ad. How do you get good at this? Part of it is just do it, okay? So that in the doing of it, any of those what might be nervous mannerisms hopefully can decrease, okay, because you're becoming more comfortable with it. Am I making sense on that point? Okay, so I wanna, right, so we're on these guidelines for lectors, for Archdiocese of New York. Uh, my copy, at least, because it it's a copy of a copy. The, there are page numbers down on the very bottom, on the right-hand side. So I'm now on to page two, okay, where he gives a little bit of the history, okay. Um, I, w I would, for myself, I would prefer a stylistically to call this okay the ministry of being a reader okay um i i like to translate the latin words that only use okay the other kinds of words okay when it becomes absolutely necessary but what they're talking about here at this beginning is When somebody gets up and, say, Doug talks in a courtroom, okay, they're making an argument. Okay? They're speaking on behalf of someone. Okay? But when we're talking about speaking from the pulpit, we're really talking about truly being an instrument. Okay? That the... the star of the show for the reader is supposed to be God's word and in its proclamation somehow the spirit of God is speaking through you okay, and speaking to that particular congregation in that time and that place in some senses incarnating the Holy Spirit uh, through the inspired word. Am I making sense on what I'm trying to get across there? Okay, so that that what evolved and is explained on that page, okay, already by 787 at the Second Council of Nicaea, don't write this down because you don't need to know it, that there is in the 14th canon of that council that they were saying, we're hearing that some people are reading in church who have not had a laying on of hands from the bishop. Okay. What are they trying to get across there is not that there is a power, okay, but that 
that in a sense that it's formalizing, you are doing this not because you're good at it, but because you are you are uh, delegated to be an instrument of the Holy Spirit, and therefore it's something that's very special. Does that make sense? Okay. When, if you've had an opportunity to read all of these pages, okay, and I apologize for getting them to you so late, but when we talk about the mandate, okay, even though I think that most of our parishes don't go through all of that, the mandate is trying to get that idea across of this is something like holy orders that no one does on their own but in words, as a service to the community. Comprende? Okay. I'm moving on to page three. Okay. And what Father calls the non-instituted lectors. If you saw the other pages, that the germ used the word for instituted to talk about those formally installed and use the word deputed. I don't even know if technically that that is a, an ordinary English word. I think that the more common word for us in our language would be deputized, okay? That somebody has the role and for a temporary purpose, okay? There's the deputy, the stand-in, comprende? Now, a little bit of the background, okay. you know that there were used to be seven steps to ordination, uh, porter, lector, okay, exorcist. Um, Paul, when the council said that things should be simplified, well, m- none of our churches really had, had um, porters anymore. And the role of exorcist has become way more formalized. Nobody ever wants to choose to do that kind of work because it is absolutely too dangerous. So only when the bishop tells you. uh, And so the point that I'm making is that we simplified, we got rid of some of those minor orders, replaced them with institution. Before you would have gotten any of those minor orders was tonsure. Okay, tonsure admitted you into the clerical state. Okay, um, for those of you who remember seeing movies like Beckett, okay, um, the Jean Anouilh play, okay, that he had been tonsured. Just about anybody who knew how to read was tonsured, and in under British law at the time, okay, that they were exempt from the king's courts. So that somebody who committed rape and they were tonsured, obviously we would say it's both scandalous and blasphemous, okay, but they would be tried in the bishop's court rather than in the king's court. And the bishop's courts were always lenient. So that was some of that difficulty between Henry and the later part of Becket. Where I'm going with it is that the the um, becoming part of the clerical state now is removed from those beginning steps 
and now only comes with ordination to the diaconate. So far, so good? Any questions on that much? Okay. So on the bottom of page three, okay, here comes a, a need for diplomacy, guys. It reads in the bottom above the picture, thus when instituted lectors are not present, it's appropriate for other lay men and women to proclaim the readings at mass. Okay? There are a lot of people in terms of practicalities who are gonna get their noses out of joint because you show up and you say, I'm the installed lector, I should be doing this. Agreed? And you can all understand that. So while that may be the policy, the one who needs to be aware of this rule is the person who makes up the schedule. Am I making myself clear? Okay, so that you are, that you've decided what masses you are going to be at okay and that may be your, even your pastor's decision and not necessarily yours it may be that your pastor wants the congregation to get to know you and so he may say to you i want you at the five on saturday this week i want you at the eight on sunday the following week the 10 the following week so you want to talk to your pastor okay, about what kind of a methodology okay, he wants to use because while that's true, okay, in other words, that the purpose of that rule is not to cause friction. Am I being clear? Okay. Go ahead, Peter. You have a question. So right now, we just recently got installed. And obviously, there's a schedule already made. So you're going to wait till that schedule's done. And when the schedule is finished, are we supposed? I mean, that means we have to commit to a particular schedule, and every mass we attend, we're supposed to read. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying you need to work it out ahead of time. Talk to your family on what one that's going to be. Uh, in the same way that. Um, um, those who make up schedules are usually asking the the readers you know, what masses they prefer okay and so in other words that that would want to find that that out from you that's why i'm saying it's not just talking to the person who makes up the schedule it's also talking to the pastor to find out what his idea of this is for you okay but i am saying okay that I want to see you reading, right? I want you to be comfortable in going to the ambo, to the pulpit, okay? Because it should be so much second nature to you now, okay? Or becoming second nature to you, that when the time comes for you to proclaim the gospel, okay? That going to that has got no, no angst, no anxiety for you at all. Am I making sense on that? Okay. And for really, and while you know, we don't know how, how long it will be until you are installed as acolytes, 
you want to use this year to get as much of your as much of your practice in as possible. Doug, do you have a question? Okay, I saw a hand move and I, you've got a dark background, right? Okay. Everybody with me on what I'm talking about here about practicality and or is that? Okay. So when it says that last sentence, the guidelines that follow refer to those who serve as non-instituted lectors there's nothing that applies to them that's not applying to you as well. Okay. Moving on to page four. Okay. There's going to be a balance with things later on, but he's got qualifications that they should be at least 14 years old. Okay. Now they're going <laughs> to. So, so this is this is like Roman law. Uh, as opposed to our Anglo-Saxon concept of law. In, in Anglo-Saxon law, we find out, for example, what are people in fact doing? Should we make them drive on the left side of the road or on the right side of the road? Okay. And we see that the overwhelming majority of people Okay, are going to drive on the right-hand side of the road. That's what we make as the law. Okay, And because it is what people are in fact doing, ex exceptions to the law are rare and very few. Got that? Okay. Roman law doesn't work that way. Roman law says what is the very best way we could do this and in the law it enshrines an ideal am i making sense on that okay but in practicality okay where do we the finding the ideal is very rare and therefore in roman law dispensations are Okay, not looked down on, whereas for us Anglo-Saxons, it kind of seems like, oh, you couldn't quite make the grade. Okay? For there's a line in the church that the Italians make the law, the Germans interpret the law, and the Irish and Americans obey the law. Okay? There's a big difference between moral law and the Ten Commandments and regulations. Okay? Am I making sense on that? Right? And so what would be better? Okay? Should you have a seven-year-old kid okay, ordinarily reading from the scriptures in a parish on a Sunday? Absolutely not. Okay? They can't necessarily even pronounce all of the words. Am I making sense on that? And so, you know, comes to, and we'll talk more about this later because it's coming up in this document and you may have seen it already. There are going to be parents, especially the folks who are rarely in church, that come at a first communion, okay, and they just think it is so absolutely, it's adorable. Isn't it cute? Isn't it, ah, uh, 
here's little Murgatroyd going up, okay? And, you know, he needs the maybe, he needs the soapbox to stand on, okay? And he can't read it, and it doesn't make any sense. And he's frightened of the microphone, and he's never done this before, okay? If Anthony's going to, Murgatroyd is going to be frightened of it, he shouldn't be reading, okay? One of the good parts about this pandemic is that okay, there's been less pressure on having Murgatroyd and, and uh, Gertrude come to the AMBO for First Communions, okay? In other words, what's primary for us is not that there are a variety of kids, but that the word of God should be proclaimed to this congregation, okay? Amen? That's the theory, okay? Doesn't always work out in practice, okay? So that moving down that list, possessed of the necessary ability and talents to proclaim the word of God in a clear, dignified, and effective manner. That's what you need to be working on, that when you are going to proclaim, you need to be clear, the people need to understand you, that it's dignified, and so it's not like howdy-doody, okay, and effectively communicating. Comprende, everybody? Okay. Now, they're going to make reference to this bottom part of page four, okay, the preparation as he says at the very, very bottom, what the original goal was that nobody would become a reader in a parish unless they had gone through training sessions. At the start of this, it was supposed to be each deanery would somehow come up with a methodology for covering those various points that are there on the bottom of page four. They realize nowadays that, especially with fewer and fewer priests available to do this kind of thing, and getting people out at night is not like what it once was back in the 50s, that in fact that's why there are now the training videos which are available online and we'll come back to later on. If you have not gone through one of those training videos, okay, then if you're not racing off elsewhere at the end of this class, I invite you to go to newyorkliturgy.org okay, and go to the training video okay, for a lecture where some of these points will be repeated. Comprende? Okay. Also, the part here about... Okay, Introduction to the lectionary, contents and structure. Well, back when you were in year one, we did that. Okay, you might want to go look for your notes on that. Okay, okay, so that you feel comfortable with the book itself. Okay, remember we talked about it that there are four volumes volume one being the Sundays, volume two even though it is Roman numeral two, is going to have the weekday readings for year one, the odd numbered years. And volume three is going to have weekday 
cycle two. The difference between cycle one weekday and cycle two, every day is the same gospel, but it is the first reading and the psalm that would be different so that you get more of a readings from the Old, Old and New Testament. But it's also knowing how to go find a, a reading by, by knowing where the index is there in the back. Okay. I also, by the way, recommend those kinds of volume one lectionaries that are subdivided into an ind individual year so that it is 1A, 1B, 1C. Are there more books? Yes. Is it a little bit more expensive? Yes. But it makes it easier for the reader that they don't have to be uh, running the risk of choosing the wrong set of readings. Okay. If you only have that single Sunday volume okay, and somebody is not really clear, an understanding of cycle A, cycle B, cycle C, it can cause them a great deal of difficulty. Everybody with me on that? Okay. Uh, show of hands, how many of you have uh, three individual year A, year B, year C on volume one? Nobody? Okay, Danny does. Danny Castro does. I got to start remembering to use last names with you guys, Danny. At home? No, no, in, in church. Oh, in church. Okay, so no, no, they're, they're the same, the same one book. All in one book. All in one book. So you have A, B, and C in one book. Yeah. So you to, remember, that's a little bit on the dangerous side, especially for a new lector. Okay. I have the I have the, the whole set the uh, the Spanish one. Say again. I have the whole set. The the, uh, the, the uh, from the miss from the miss cell, all the way to the veterinary. All right. Okay, moving on to page five. He says preparation. I'm in the second line down. Preparation, prayer, study, and practice. The word lector could also mean in a Latin dictionary, teacher. Everybody with me on what I'm saying there? The word reader could also be a teacher. I think that in the evolution of things, it was the folks who worked in the catechetical schools that they had in Antioch and Alexandria. We're going to read from scripture. We need somebody to read it. Let's get one of the teachers because they've dealt with the text. They understand the text. They've studied the text. They can not only say it, they can proclaim the inner dynamic of it because they've understood it. Am I clear? We've put the cart before the horse where we're saying is, you're gonna now read this, 
in order for you to do that effectively, you need to go and study the text. Okay. One of the things that I don't think he says in that paragraph would be that you, and again, the text that you've got to read is also available to you, if even if, like Danny Castro, that you don't have a complete set chapel set size of the lectionary at home, and I'm not saying that you need to do that, you can go to the USCCB website and all of the readings are there okay, so that you can practice them even if you don't own a set of the books. Does that make sense? Okay. But here's the suggestion, right? We've come into next Sunday. Okay. And what you're going to do is you see what the reading is, then suggestion, not a gotta, but I think very wise, that you go pick up your Bible, okay? read it in your Bible, the translation may be a little bit differently, but looking at the footnotes, the footnotes which, especially in the RNAB, the Revised New American Bible, the footnotes are absolutely fabulous. Okay. Will they answer every question that you have? No, they won't. But at least you will have seen things that are, are cause of concern so that you know okay, um, better how to interpret it in uh, using inflection and pauses, etc. Comprende? Okay. Uh, example also would be St. Paul. Okay. St. Paul, St. Paul would get a poor grade in a literature course, better a grammar course, because St. Paul, you can almost literally hear in the words okay, that he's dictating this, and very often it's stream of consciousness. And with stream of consciousness, he's going from one idea to the next idea. Okay? And sometimes they are run-on sentences, okay? which you would be getting a bad grade for. But nevertheless, the Holy Spirit didn't decide to correct those things. And you've got to work with that in order to interpret it for the congregation. Am I making sense? Go ahead. Because, uh, let me just throw out something. The Conference of Catholic Bishops website also has audio attachments. Uh -huh. So if there's, if there's language, like, for example, the names of the first seven deacons or whatever, some of the places uh, or locations in the Holy Land okay. where they traveled, you can listen to someone proclaim it properly. Okay. Yes, I, I'm realizing that sometimes that there's more than one way to skin a cat, okay? Uh, it's not the only way, but in other words, uh, realize always, and maybe I should have mentioned this earlier, the big difference between reading an essay or reading the newspaper is if you don't get it, you can go back and read it again, okay? That congregation is only getting one shot at this which means that you really need to be clear, okay? Uh, 
they need to be focused, yes. Okay. But you need to be using every, and not necessarily every trick, every skill at your command in order to be clear. Okay. They know from paragraphs that the thought is indentation that the paragraph is changing its central idea. Okay. What a an indentation is to a paragraph, so a pause is for oral proclamation. And when it's a big change of thought, then, then it's got to be a longer pause. You've got to get comfortable with that so that if you're one of, I'm feeling so nervous about this that I just want to get into that pulpit, read it as fast as I can and get out so that nobody's looking at me anymore. Yow. That's not good. Agreed? Okay, so one, footnotes, okay? You Looking at, okay, the whole Bible, uh, whatever I wanna say. I'm presuming that at the bottom of that paragraph, first paragraph, continuing formation, okay, I'm on page five, he makes reference to praying with scripture, whether by using Lexio Divina, or the Ignatian method of praying scripture or the scriptural rosary. Do you see those references? I'm presuming that you know about those kinds of things. Okay. So the next section down for the mandate. The Deacon, one one quick point. Go ahead. Uh, My parish gives out little workbooks on the readings. Yes, and it shows you words to emphasize. It gives you the little commentaries. Is that the one from LTP, Liturgical Training Publication, from the Archdiocese? Yeah, it might be. But I'm just saying it's, like, it's very, very, very helpful. Right. If that's the, I'm go, was going to make reference to that. Okay. okay. But yes, Liturgical Training Publication. If your pastor is not already giving that out on the first, if you will, maybe on Christ the King, okay, giving that out for the new liturgical year that's going to start, okay, you might want to urge him to do so. Right? My parish gives that out to every lec- every lector. Okay. Anybody else who, who is aware of LTP or a uh, workbook? Uh, Deacon George, I actually have a copy up in my bedroom. Um, yeah, that's what okay, yeah. Doug is showing us one. Excuse me? Doug is showing us one. If you look at Doug's screen. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And Our parish used to give that out to every lector every year. And then they stopped, and I could never understand it, why they stopped. Um, I have one long enough where I have them. So, you know, I have all of them. So... In a very gentle and kind (laughs) uh, way that you might say to me, you know, that book was really good and so many of these folks would would find that helpful. Okay? Um, Okay. Okay. Is there a reason, Father, why we don't do that anymore? He might say. Honey. I I don't know if you believe it was budgetary, but, you know. Okay. I don't know. We had it. Yes, we had an issue with that with that book because in the Spanish translation, there's a lot of words that is totally different. Ah. And elector practice at home, 
with that book and when they got to the ambo they were shocked because they couldn't whenever you're faced with a, a big word that you, you you're not used to uh it, it's shocking so we ended up getting this book i can show it up okay here we go. okay now we got it right word in eucharist it's in english and spanish and it's exactly written as it is in the in the lectionary okay that and that, that that's a good thing uh, <laughs> Rafael is showing us as well in spanish and english uh okay. and every, everybody got that one and it, you could use it for all three cycles okay so preparation you know un, un, until you've been through the three-year cycle 10 times so on your 30th anniversary it might not be necessary for you to double check but other than that even if only and here's another practical point that he does not mention here if you've gone to the lectionary you will sometimes see that there is it's more for the gospels than it is for the first or second reading but there may be a long version and a short version okay if that such a choice exists it's not the reader's choice it's the homilist's choice and in most of your parishes that would be the celebrant right, is the homilist so that as the reader you go and say father there are two long and short versions do you have a preference am i making sense on that okay but you no know, check with them because they may they may want a particular line okay okay to be emphasized okay but that's worth paying attention to okay I'm on the bottom of page five. Uh, Peter, you have a question first. Yeah, it's basically on the bottom of page five. I was talking about the mandate. We, we, even though we're installed, we need a three-year mandate. No, no, no. You're you're a permanent. Okay, so we're permanent. So it's the lay ones that get three years to be. Okay, you're a layman too, Peter. Oh, sorry. It's the uninstituted ones uh, that have to get a mandate well see that, that in my current parish I've been through four pastors okay only the first one who at the time was the Episcopal vicar for the area, did anything with mandates, okay? None of the rest of them do, okay? Now, I, I'm going to say it's gonna vary on both, we used to call them vicariates, we now call them deaneries, okay? It's gonna be on whether the dean is insisting on it and it's going to much be on how your individual pastor is choosing to observe that policy. Okay. 
is it to my knowledge is it frequently ignored yes it is okay so i would not be pushing it one way or another that's the pastor's responsibility okay but i will point out okay the value of it okay is to say a way of once you have and you've put the arm on somebody and say you know i've heard you talking you might be good to be able to proclaim the word on sunday a lot of people are willing to volunteer but they're not going to put themselves forward at least in our culture as far as i've observed you may see something different okay but some folks when you put the arm on them and you ask them invite them they're kind of glad to be as some don't want to be involved at all and we'll tell you no off the bat but you won't know that unless you ask them and it is a way of involving them in the community everyone's clear on that part i, I think that's kind of uh, obvious but if there are only if say for example that you've got four masses on a weekend and it's the same four people who are doing it all the time how do you get new blood in there even if they're good okay am i making sense in what i'm trying to get across here by having a three year mandate it says you're going to take a turn for this for three years and then we're going to get somebody else to do it so that no one no one thinks this is mine i'm always the reader at the i i know i have heard people say but the first reading on good friday is always mine i've always done it okay okay it's you know in the same way that i would say to a priest it's not your mass it's our mass no reading belongs to any individual clear okay it might that's not going to be you who is going to have that fight with anybody but the reality is that that's what the theory is it's our sacred scripture it is the revelation to the community and it is not the possession of any one individual agreed okay do you understand by having a three year term it's a way of building in okay that we're going to outreach okay part of that word evangelization that we are hearing more and more ever since JP2 is the reaching out that just because they're showing up doesn't mean that they're evangelized okay and getting them truly involved and eventually into a personal encounter with Jesus Christ is part of what the game is and not just collecting envelopes in a basket on Sunday comprende okay the third part of that is is that it also allows okay that somebody who okay, kind of like myself where the mind is going okay and they just they're stumbling all the time well the end of the term is a nice easy way to say thank you okay and after they've waited 3 years and maybe they want to get back and you know I, I I think we need to face some reality right? and that's difficult okay 
it, it's it's difficult for an aging priest. Okay, you know, some priest at ninety can still say a public mass. Some priest at ninety can't do it anymore. It is the reason why that we have for priests have a retirement age okay, of 75. We can't afford to let them retire at 75, but it is a way of the archbishop saying, if you would like to continue to do more, and many of them want to, okay, I need a letter from your doctor that you are in good, good health. Okay, you with me on what I'm trying to get across there? So there is a, a natural review once you hit, okay? If it's good enough for Cardinals at 80, okay? Um, by the way, this is some of the discussion. I don't think that I'm laying the cat out of the bag, but uh, we're in the process of coming up with a diaconate handbook, okay? There'll be one source for what are the policies, okay, regarding deacons, available both obviously to deacons as well as to to the presbyterate okay uh, but beginning to put a retirement age in for deacons not that you're being pushed out at whatever that retirement age is going to be but in fact uh, an opportunity for providing a built-in need for a review does that make sense please okay you know it, it's a I, I'm switching my comparison, but I remember as a as a teacher when I started at Mount Saint Michael, one of the brothers one of the brothers was a fabulous teacher. He used to uh, teach the AP courses, okay. But time went by, and something happened, and he lost the ability to control a classroom. And so they moved him from seniors to juniors, and he still couldn't do it. They moved him down to freshman year, okay? And in some senses, you almost need more control with freshmen, okay, with their hyperactivity. Eventually, brother became in charge of the duplicating machine, okay? So he was still making a contribution. And I can remember going to the principal and saying, I want you that when the time has come that you're telling me that I've lost it, okay, that you've got to tell me, okay? And by telling your boss that ahead of time, it makes it easier for them to do. Am I making sense, please, on what I'm trying to get across here? Our job is we are in a service job, okay? It's not about you, it's about serving them, okay? And through them, the Almighty. Okay. Uh, page six. Down the bottom of the page. Okay. Is it allowable for a baptized non Catholic to read on some special occasion? Yes, in theory, but not uh, on not on the fly, not at the last minute. It would need the permission of the bishop, which is given by the vicar general. 
everybody see that part? Just thought we'd mention that there. Okay, so now again on page seven, they've got this part about children as lectors. Okay, well, yeah, on special occasions, but it shouldn't be irregular and only if they are competent. Okay, not because she's got the longest veil. When no mandated lector is available, anybody's allowed to do it. Okay. Okay. In other words, you all, especially in these pandemic times, okay, you all know where is it? We're, we're flying a lot by the seat of our pants. Down at the bottom of seven. Okay. Um, you've just finished your jog. Okay. Not me, but. As a, so that you come in in your um, in your running shorts. Nah, don't plan on reading. Okay. So it ordinarily would be Sunday best. It could, you know, it, it's tuned down a little bit for a weekday kind of thing. Okay. Okay. You know, it does not necessarily need jacket and tie, and that you're going to have a lot of variety based on your individual congregation. It might be in the Church of the Magdalene up there in Pocantico Hills, okay, that they're always, uh, every Sunday, even in the summertime, that they're wearing suit and tie. And many other parishes, it may be that in the summertime, there's no tie. Okay? That's going to vary okay, based on the community. Okay? Liturgical books, this paragraph there on the bottom of seven, first of all reminds and so it's the beginning of the last sentence that turns over to eight it is unlawful to substitute other non-biblical texts okay, everybody clear on that so we're not reading from Cahil Gibran at some wedding okay or if it's in the pulpit okay it is God's word Okay. And you know, we fought about this for a couple of hundred years. We've made some determinations what is and what isn't. It may be beautiful. You may like this poetry. Robert Frost may appeal to you very much. Okay. But it doesn't belong in the pulpit. Amen. It's that next paragraph that Frank has been referring to. Okay. And so those of you who like the convenience of your iPad or of your iPhone to read the office, obviously, if you're on the train coming back or you have forgotten your breviary, okay, then it gives you the opportunity okay, to continue to pray. That's good. But our preference is that, that there is a nobility of the word and therefore its container okay, should be worthy okay and that's part of the reason why we don't bring a missalette into the pulpit okay amen some dioceses uh, are a little bit more explicit okay um, No electronic devices in that second paragraph there. If one of your priests, as happened in my own parish, is going to violate that, okay, 
not my job to enforce the law. Okay, although I did make some snotty comments, but he was young and I could get away with it. Okay, everybody understand what's going on there in that paragraph? This is the reason why, there's something special about it. Okay, this next section is so important. So very important, okay, that it's gotta be audible. So that if you can't hear what I'm saying, and there was no use to my talking, okay? It's one of the reasons, by the way, that while if you are a lector and you're coming to the AMBO in these pandemic times, you may have a mask on, but once you come there, take it down or take it off, because some people, especially the elderly, are going to be doing a little bit of lip reading, are they not? Okay. So trying to talk through the mask only muffles it and in a large space is going to, okay, the people in the back are going to have a big difficulty with it. Okay. So you need to know your mic system. And that's the stuff that you can't just go to that cold. Some mics... Some mics, you can talk like this and the P's are not going to resonate. But other mics, you can be over here in the words and you're going to get problems with the P's. So you need to know, do I need it to be close? Do I need it to be at a bit of a a distance? Okay. And I can't tell you what your system is because there's too much variety. Okay. Clear? So it needs to be audible. It needs, uh, come back to this, we're gonna do another section on this in a few minutes. But George, just one comment. Go ahead, Steve. I was really looking forward this year to reading at the seminary. Because it might be me, but sometimes it seems as though there's almost a little echo. And I just wondered when you're reading, is it, it seems like that mic system is very different for example, than what we have at St. Pat's. And it might just, I was just looking forward to doing it because I really felt, because I tend to read pretty loudly. And I wasn't sure if at the seminary, when I had the opportunity to do that in my third year, what that would come out like. Okay. You know, chalk this up to another unfortunate loss. Okay. You're right that it would be good to have an opportunity for a different system. Uh, if you're in St. Patrick's with the very holy and much beloved Monsignor Jim Dorco, mm-hmm. uh, you might ask him about that, uh, about the difference in the two, because he was stationed at Dunwoody for so right. many years, and say, is it something new? Or I, I know that there was a design originally that if you stand, I think, at the top step, right by the top step, that there is design, there was a natural way that it was designed to be in the days before electric. Remember, Dunwoody was built in 1896. There were no mics. Okay. And I think that talking from the top step center okay, is designed to magnify your voice. Okay. But I can't, I'm not a. I'm not an acoustics engineer, so I can't speak to the specifics of that, okay? Um, 
so when you say that you speak loudly, you're going to need to, this is where your wife is going to be helpful. Okay. Because your wife is going to be able to tell you off in ways that many of your parishioners will not. Okay. Also your kids, if they're, uh, but the point that I'm making is I have a Nigerian, by the way, let me in parentheses. I find when I'm talking to one of you that I am moving in your direction as if I were in the classroom and I may be coming out because I'm putting you in right in front of me. I need to stay in focus. Apology, close parentheses. There is a Nigerian in my parish, Steve, who in where he came from, there were no mics. Okay. When he preaches, he preaches very loud volume. Okay. But because he is loud volume into a mic, okay, it hurts the ears. Okay. And so I have regularly, he and I are, are close enough, okay, that I could say to him before Mass, reminder, okay, you're going to have a mic. Sometimes you're going to want to, for emphasis, raise the volume, okay? But you're never going to scream into a mic, okay? Because it's going to hurt their ears. Does this make sense to people? Okay, and that's why, again, knowing your system, okay? Okay, and <coughs> having somebody in the back. Understand how sound works. And I'm jumping ahead of myself. You're throwing out air. Your lips, your tongue, and your teeth shape the sound, okay? And now it's going out in airwaves. It's energy, okay? But it's meeting the friction of the air. And so what to your ears sounded like over-enunciating, okay? By the time that it got to the last pew, because the sound waves lost some of their energy and they were merging with one another, it sounds way closer to normal rather than the overemphasis that you thought you were doing. Okay? Am I making sense on that? Okay? More on this shortly. Okay? The part I'm in, the next paragraph, style come. Okay? Never proclaim God's word in a dull or robotic manner we're talking about this as either either sing-songy in applying these techniques of proclamation the elector should consider that his or her primary task is to present the word of god nor should you do it as a monotone okay monotones put people to sleep you do that when you're reading a bedtime story to your kid, okay? In applying these techniques of proclamation, the lector should consider that his or her primary task is to present the word of God in all its richness and meaning. Hence, the lector should never proclaim God's word in a dull and robotic manner. That's robotic. We don't want to hear that, okay? You gotta make it interesting. There are no illustrations, okay? There are no multiple colors. You are not 
reading for Sesame Street where your face is going to turn 17 different colors in order to hold on to people's attention. Okay? Your voice has to do it. Am I making myself clear? Okay. On the flip side, okay, and this is re really important, that last sentence, you are not the star of the show. So if it is that somebody winds up saying, oh, wasn't he great when he read that? Okay. If it comes back down to you, okay, that's not good either. The focus has to be on the word of God. Okay, so, so it's not, you know, you're not acting, okay? You are proclaiming. Lectures and other ministries, you see that sentence, first paragraph, second sentence, I should say third sentence. If, however, a shortage of properly trained individuals makes this impossible, it is permissible to have one individual perform multiple roles. In non-pandemic times, okay, the one who is the reader should not be the person who is the altar server. In these pandemic times, may that be happening? You certainly will. Peter, again. It, it's preferable. I mean, I'm just you know like many years ago before the pandemic, because, you know, I'm charged of scheduling Eucharistic ministers, and there was somebody else in charge of the lectors. And a person was a lector and a minister, you know, a, a Eucharist. And one of the poor communication, Peter. His poor communication. Yeah, when the two guys needed to talk. Yeah, but not only that, it's just like the the priest said you can't do both ministries. Okay, and and he's right on uh, better instead of the word can, the word should. Right. Okay. So that it's it's not a liturgical crime. On the flip side, why was the same person doing both ministries? Because you guys didn't properly schedule. Well, actually, it was scheduled that way because what happened is that when a person did two things, they didn't want to be scheduled every week. Like one, one week they're, they're Eucharist and next week they're a lector. Then you need more. Of course, we had a shortage. And so the thing was, I tried to schedule them both on the same day so they would have a weekend off if they want to take a vacation. Okay. Shouldn't be the same. Better scheduling. Then obviously you need more. Okay. Which then, Peter, that comes back to, I, I think you may have heard this before, all of you, and that is, uh, what is the difference between a liturgist and a terrorist? To negotiate with the terrorists. John Tremblay, your smile says you've heard it? No? Who's heard it? Nope. You, can, you can negotiate with a terrorist. You can negotiate with a terrorist. Thank you, Anthony. Okay. Now, that means that it's somebody who is, okay, in other words, liturgical law and rubrics has to be so set in stone. Okay? and binding under pain of mortal sin, okay? 
when we have changed things, right, we have, okay, remember that it's the, what is the ideal? Okay, sometimes we don't achieve the ideal. It's Roman law, not Anglo-Saxon law. Okay? So that's why, Peter, when I said, your priest said, you can't do, you cannot do two, it's preferable that you don't do two. Okay? Everybody with me on that, that fine-tuning? Okay? It's also more diplomatic. All right. Quick point. Quick point. Deacon, um, our church uses uh, scheduling software, and there's apps for the phone. It's called Ministry scheduler pro msp it's fantastic because when you need a substitute you just go to your phone and say i need a substitute push a button everybody's that's in the service sees that you need a sub you can trade um if your church doesn't use it i strongly recommend it it's made scheduling okay. so john what you're going to do is do two things please okay that you will write up what that is you know its website and things like that and you will email it to the class and include me certainly and so people have the option of this is something one of the guys use in our class okay pastor you might want to take a look at this Got it. what he may well do is pass off the sheet of paper okay to whoever is doing the. Okay. but thank you for making that I've never heard of it okay. all right i'm on page nine we're moving towards the end All right, really, it's bottom of eight. I, I think. If at the Easter vigil, okay, there are a lot of readings, agreed, okay, what is best according to this paragraph at the bottom of eight? That each reading have a different reader. This gets more involvement those readings are very different from one another okay and so it allows the individual reader to pick on the up the tone and the genre of that particular reading and not have to the way you're reading the the genesis readings is going to be different than the way you're reading the thing from baruch if you're using baruch am i making sense please on that okay so it allows an individual to focus on one style and not having to be changing gears in effect from one style to another. But it also points out that with the single exception of, it's not single, with the dual exception of Palm Sunday and Good Friday, okay, we don't read any reading in parts. So that if it were the story of a, the sacrifice of Isaac, okay, that you have a narrator and somebody reading the Abraham line and somebody reading the Isaac line, we don't do that, okay? We don't do that because it is the job of the reader, okay? That may have been how in the Western church drama re-emerged with the with the sequences from Easter, but that's a whole different different discussion that I won't get into. Everybody clear on that? And what's best, by the way, for Palm Sunday and 
Good Friday is three deacons doing it. Okay, at the Pope's mass, okay, the Pope doesn't take the celebrant's role. Okay, three deacons proclaim the gospel. One being the narrator, one being the crowd, and one being the the Christus. Clear? Okay. You see that next paragraph on the top there of nine? Okay. I do not recommend that for any reader at all. At least I have never seen it done effectively. Um, can the gospel be sung? Yes. Okay. By somebody who's got a great trained voice for it. Okay. But you newly installed lectors, okay, please do not be singing the epistles. Okay, just role of the lector preparation. Okay, he explains in that part again reiterates study, prayer, and practice. Special attention to difficult words or phrases. We're going to come to that list in a few minutes. Okay may not must may the lector in non-pandemic times march in the entrance procession yes may he carry if there is no deacon the book of the gospels yes if there is a deacon carrying the book of the gospels may the lector carry the lectionary no, the lectionary is never carried in the procession. It's always open on the ambo for the first reading. Clear? Okay. If the lector, and that could be you, there's no deacon, you're carrying in the book of the Gospels, okay? You're not carrying it like this. Strong suggests you're slightly elevated. Okay. You think that you want to be able to, if you hold it in front of your face, okay, you're going to fall flat on your face because you don't see where you're going. Hold it so that the top is, if you will, just below your eye level. Okay. That way you can see where you're going. Okay, clear? You come into the sanctuary and this reviews previous material. You have the book of the gospel. You are carrying a liturgical object. Therefore, you do not bow. You do not genuflect. You go directly to the altar and you put it down in ways that we discussed with those problems last week, Stephen. Okay. Everybody clear on all that stuff on the bottom of nine? Okay. On ten. Second paragraph, readings should always be introduced with the text provided in the lectionary. Our first reading is a reading. It doesn't say that. If it doesn't say that, you don't do that. Okay. The responsorial psalm is. It doesn't say that. Okay. Those things aren't are in red, you don't say the red. Am I clear? Okay. Same thing in the breviary. 
that for the reading, it doesn't give an introduction or a conclusion. If it doesn't give it, you don't add it. Okay? Why don't you give an introduction in the breviary? Because the presumption is that everybody who's listening to it has their own copy and they could see where it's from if they wanted to know that. Okay? Why doesn't that have a conclusion, the word of the Lord? Because the responsory is taking the place of that. Everybody clear? Okay. Will you forget it? Of course you're going to forget it, right? But moving on. Okay. Okay, this is another one where I'm down to universal prayer. Do you see where I am? Opening part. When no deacon is present. So if there were people who got their nose out of joint, because you are the installed reader, so also it may be your pastor has decided that he wants the reader to do the universal prayer, because that's what people are used to. This is looking forward to the day when you're a deacon. But properly speaking, what it should be, but not necessarily must be, is that the deacon always does the universal prayer. That's, like the gospel, that's your specific role. Okay? And in a way that I would not be happy with any, any, any reader, whether installed or not, making changes to what your parish is going to use for the prayer of the faithful. Okay? Nevertheless, once you've established your credentials, okay, that it, the deacon who theoretically knows a little bit more, trained a little bit more, practiced in diplomacy a little bit more, can add to the prayer of the faithful as long as the pastor is comfortable with that. Okay? Example would be this morning, okay? Uh, first one is always praying for the universal church. The second one is usually for the government leaders. Okay, you're all clear on that, right? I added something in between there. For all of the religious of the Sacred Heart, whose American foundress we celebrate today. Okay, so if there's a religious order, okay, uh, St. Ignatius Loyola Day, we're going to add a pray for all of the Jesuits. Do you see what I'm trying to Okay, if there was a uh, if there was an earthquake in your town that you're going to, what are the, the deacon is expected to know the needs of the people. Okay. If you wind up, but if you're not pithy on it, and by pithy, that's P-I-T-H-Y. That means short, sweet, and to the point. Okay. If you're starting on this big, long dissertation, it doesn't belong in that part of the mass. Clear? Okay. They don't need to know that this person that who is so-and-so who is dying today okay, is in the last stages of their death process. Okay, 
And this is important to me because she is married to my third cousin, fourth removed. Congregation doesn't need to know that. Clear? All of the general intercessions should be short, sweet, and to the point. Okay? If it's each individual one is longer than the opening prayer, okay, then you're not doing it right. Clear? And as installed readers, if you think, okay, by the way, the, the same way that you are going to look over the text of the scripture reading, okay, so also you need to get to church ahead of time and read over the general intercessions, the universal prayer, because even more than the, the lectionary, there are going to be mistakes. Okay? There are going to be typos. Okay? So you need to watch out and be prepared for those. There are going to be names that you don't know. Uh, 17-letter Polish name, okay? and they don't pronounce the letters the same way, you want to be able to practice those so that, as Willie Shakespeare says, these things may come trippingly upon the tongue. Amen? Moving on. I'm at the bottom of page 10. Announcements, he says, should be made at the, not at the Embo, but at another suitable place. What's the point that he's driving at? The ambo is reserved for the word of God. Okay. In some parishes, is that going to be an ideal that that's the only place where a mic is that the people can hear? Then it's going to be from there. Okay. Everybody with me on the difference between shoulds and forbiddens? Okay. All right. Moving on. Did I send you another copy of this? Yeah, we have that. So I've, I think I've covered point number one in detail. Speak slowly. It doesn't mean, well, again, it's going to depend on the text. But if you are Spanish is Ordinary Spanish is spoken at a tempo which is a lot faster than English ordinarily. Would we agree with that, everybody? Okay. Why are they able to do that? Because there is much more emphasis on the vowels, okay, and things get alighted so that you can speak. I, I can't say the Our Father in Spanish as quickly as most of the Hispanics that I know, okay? Especially that second part, okay? But English needs for final Ds and Ts, they need to be enunciated, which is my third point. Color the words, I've discussed that, okay? When you get to the pulpit, okay? You wanna get comfortable there, okay? So put your feet, okay? little bit apart so that you're not standing as if you're at a military drill. Our Jewish 
brethren, when they are reading from the scroll of the Torah, they use a pointer. The pointer usually has not like this pencil. It has often a hand, a little tiny hand at the top of it. The name of this pointer is a yod, which is the Hebrew word for hand. And the reason why they're using it is really twofold. Again, think of scrolls as be some of them hundreds of years old. You know that if you take an absolutely new penny and you hold it, okay, press down on it and put it away, you know that you will eventually get fingerprints on it from the oils that are on your fingers. Everybody knows that, correct? So if if we are reading and we are putting our fingers on the scroll, okay, and because it's parchment, over the course of time, that would become disfigured. So what they do is that they use this yod. Okay. Most of your pulpits, ambos, are at an angle precisely so that you can okay, use your finger kind of keep your place because you want to as much as possible okay, letting your eyes drop to the text not your head you know those little toys that, that they make and they give away I think at Yankee bobblehead okay. bobbleheads okay if you look like you are a bobblehead okay what you are doing is you are distracting the congregation and they can barely hear what you're saying because that you're making them sick in the pews, okay? Am I clear? Okay. You wanna drop your eyes to the text. It may be that your ambo is too low, okay? In which case, especially for you, then pick the book up, okay? You don't want it to be in front of your eyes like this. Again, you want just a little bit below so that you've got eye contact, okay? Am I making myself clear? Okay. Some pulpits, thanks be to God, are able to raise and lower the height, okay? But in the absence of that, if it's too far a distance for you to be able to drop your eyes so that you're not dropping your head all the time, then you want to raise the book, clear? That's okay to do. Head high, drop your eyes, pauses. We've talked about all the rest of those points. Amen? Amen. The next page that I sent you was something that I used to, when I had to prepare some folks for being new readers in our parish, I handed out this sheet of paper which told them where to go to be able to watch the training video that they were assigned to. Okay. And in the training video, okay, Father Cameron for lectors has this list of words that may prove to be difficult. Okay. Peculiarly. 
Similarly, prophecy is a noun. Prophesy is a verb. Do you see the difference in the pronunciation? Prophecy, prophesy. Immortality is a word that is frequently used. But if you have not prepped ahead of time and you're just quickly scanning the words and you saw the IMM, you're saying immorality when we're being promised immortality. You are drastically changing the focus of people's attention. Buffets never buffets. Okay? That's what we do at a restaurant. There's a big difference between a brazier, B R A Z I E R, brazier sounds like B R A Z. Brazier, why you are, okay, and not brazier. Especially if you've got high school kids, you're going to have them not paying attention to the text at all. A brigand, not a brigand. A female sheep is a you, not an ewe. especially for people who are raised in the city and they've never spent time on the farm, okay? The, you know, the time of our Lord, that was a very agricultural society. You're gonna to have to learn some of those terms. The heir to the throne. For those of you watching The Crown, Prince Charles is the heir to the throne. He's not the heir to the throne prostrate and for the last time that you've been to your medical exam is very different than your prostate you need to read all the letters but only the letters that are there condescension is different than condensation condensation is that what makes the rain okay and all the bottles in the refrigerator becoming wet because it's too humid out. Colossians, not galoshes, not collusion, not collision. Philippians, not Philippines. And finally, the book dealing with the problem of evil is Job not job. Amen? Amen. Okay. Father Cameron in that video is going to pronounce all those words for you. Okay. But I thought that they would be ones that, and you probably have heard. Okay. It's easy to do if you have not read the text ahead of time. Okay. And taken your time with it. Everybody clear? Okay, I think that that basically covers all that I wanted to do for this evening. What about questions?
Danny Condon, okay? People may be breaking your chops only because they love you. Yeah, well, I went high profile on this one. I know <laughs> it doesn't feel that way, okay? You did not wear your mask. No, I did. Pardon me? I wore mine. What? That's right. Uh, so you being victimized by somebody else right, does not mean that you should feel guilty. Do you feel regret for things that were beyond your control that affected others? Of course you do. But regret and guilt are not the same thing. So be at peace. Amen? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay. It's important you knew that, right? Okay. Given a choice between this or knocking over a consecrated chalice, which would you prefer? Well, the problem is I know sooner or later I'm going to knock over that chalice. So <laughs> which may God forbid. Yes. Quad Deus Avertat. My prayer for you, Denny, is that that never happens. But I don't want to stress that to you. Do not feel very often... You know, I'm walking along and somebody will say, I'm sorry. And I usually don't let that one go. If you haven't done anything wrong, you shouldn't say, I'm sorry. Okay. Tell that to my wife. Uh, and you probably did something wrong, Peter, and I'm not going to go there. <laughs> anyway, Daniel, we, we love you and we support you. We feel yeah. well and we're beside you, my brother. Right. I'll make this up somehow. I don't know how, but I'll try. Okay. My brothers in Christ, I, I wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. We do not meet next Wednesday, so I will see you two weeks from today. Okay. Uh, stay safe. Um, and it is what it is. Okay. That's a whole nature of a plague as opposed to a pandemic. Is it... It seems to have no rhyme or reason of where it strikes or where it doesn't strike. Why this one and not that one? God knows. Okay. One could say when we get to the heavenly kingdom, we'll have the answer. I think more likely is we won't care because we'll have something so much better. Amen? Amen. Always good to be with you guys. And, and once again, Congratulations on your installation. Uh, it's only a step, um, but better things are ahead. Amen? Amen. Danny, let me see a smile. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.